Morning, church. It is a always a massive, massive privilege to be able to share God's word um, for two reasons. One, um, because it's God's word, and God's word is always a privilege to look at. And two, um, I don't uh, take it lightly that you would take time out of your day to be here and to listen and to lean in. So, can we take a moment and just pray? Father, thank you that in a moment you can turn our lives around. We're asking you for that moment, God. We shouldn't just have one moment that turns our lives around, but multiple moments where we meet you, where our lives look significantly different. So God, would you meet us today? I know, Father, that you meet us at our our point of faith. And so right now, God, we just extend our faith to you, God. Thank you that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by your Spirit today. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I ask you a question this morning? It's um, a pretty intense question. It's a um, kind of society-separating, family-dividing question. And the question is this, how many of you like camping? How many of you, just put your hands like in the air, like uh, how many of you like camping? Be proud of it. Okay, there's probably about half the room. How many, of, how many of you hate camping? Like you will never go camping. It's not going to happen. Not over my dead body, not happening. Camping. Camping, a society separating question. My, um, my experience of camping has been somewhat tarnished and marred by this church's mission trips. Um, I've done probably 10 to 15 mission trips up to Mozambique, which is really the middle of nowhere. And I just want to kind of give you a little window into my soul when it comes to camping. Um, most trips start at 4 a.m. in the morning. We leave here. It's about a 12 to 14 hour drive. And we get there perfectly in time for the sun to be setting. There's no lights. There's uh, uh, really just a couple of people's torches, most of which forgot to put batteries in it. And so I've got about 20 to 40 or 50 um, adolescents and teenagers that have never put up a tent before and so we stand in a circle with about three and a half torches and uh, we get ready to everybody to set up their tents and some are okay but you know most as they get pulled out because we borrowed them from left right and center we pull them out and it's a two and a half thousand piece jigsaw puzzle with no instructions and you know no kind of um, picture and so the guys start putting the tents together and eventually after an hour or two of putting these tents together we've now got to put people into these tents and we've you know carefully measured that we have the right amount of tents and so our four-man tent that cannot fit two seven-year-old girls now has four of us squeezed into it and we blow up our inflatable mattress which really should come with um, a disclaimer that says deflates throughout the night by 2 a.m. you'll be lying on the floor and so that's okay because by 4 30 a.m. you're woken up anyway by the beating sun that reminds you that it's as hot as Hades and so you decide by 4 45 I'm going to get up anyways because, and so you've got to get changed and you've got all your luggage in the tent and there's four of you in this two-man, seven-year-old girl tent and so you try and stand up but this is the heart of the tent and so while you're trying to put on your pants, everybody outside thinks perhaps this is gorilla mating season and, and there's, there's bad breath, there's shoes, there's mess, there's madness, and I tell you the God-honest truth. I know you're not going to believe me, but some people do this for fun. 
camping. <sighs> I want to tell you a story from the Bible of probably the most frustrating, intense camping trip that happened. And I'll give you some context to, to this passage that we're going to read from Numbers chapter 9. Basically, what's happened is Moses has gone to Egypt. He's rescued the Israelites. And they reckon there's about a million plus Israelites. And I want you to get into this story because when you've got a million people, you don't have a million people who all know how to put up tents. You also don't have a, uh, you don't have a million people that are able and willing. You've probably got some families with toddlers. You've probably got people who are uh, right at the end of their life that, aren't, that are frail and that aren't strong. You've probably got some people that are sick. You've probably got some people that are paralyzed and can't walk. You've probably, in the million, got people that are giving birth on a daily basis. And so here are the million people. And we're going to pick up the story in Numbers chapter 9, the most insane camping trip of all time. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. It says this. We're going to read a bit, but I'll stop kind of halfway through and um, unpack it a little. It says, on the day the tabernacle was set up. Basically, the tabernacle was a tent where the presence of God and Moses would encounter the presence of God. And so this is the tabernacle. On the day the tabernacle was set up, a cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked more like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern at night. The cloud that covered the tabernacle had the presence or appearance of fire. And so there's this tent that's set up, and it's got a cloud over it by day, and by night it's got a pillar of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from the sacred tent, the people of Israel, all million of them, would break up camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. In this way, they traveled and camped and traveled and camped and traveled and camped. I added those three, but they traveled and camped at the Lord's command wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. And so in other words, when this cloud moved, they moved. When the fire moved, they moved. But wherever it moved, they would then settle and they would set up camp. But can you imagine the logistics of what's going on here? A million people packing down camp and moving and setting up camp. And then it said if, if, if the clouds stayed there for a while, then they would begin to do their duties. Well, the duties, I assume that it's setting up schools for the kids. I assume it's starting to do some farming so that there's some food. I assume that there's some logistics, some business, there's operations that need to take place. And so they start to perform all these duties. They start to become a community. But this is what the scripture goes on to say. It says, if the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle only for a few days. So the people would stay only for a few days as the Lord commanded. Then the Lord's command, uh, sorry, then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. So this cloud starts moving. Everybody starts talking like, okay, we're going to... Uncle Mo, are we packing everything down? And we said, we're definitely going. We're definitely going. All million people. The message gets out to all million people. Everybody packs down everything. They try and have a good attitude about it because we all love packing up. And they kind of put their tent together and they get ready and they get to their next place. And they say to Uncle Mo, hey, Uncle Mo, how long are we going to be here? He goes, I don't know. Should we, should we set up everything? Should we, should we start life as normal? I, I don't know. 
But should we do school as normal? I I don't know. No, but should we get everything operational? I, I I don't know. Listen to what it actually goes on to say. It says, sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Day or night. That means sometimes they traveled at night. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got three kids. Like in the middle of the night, Uncle Moses is going to come and wake me up and say, boys, we're out of here. But like, you're going to carry my kids. Day or night, this obedience to the presence of God, it goes on to say this, whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people stayed in the camp and did not move. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled or camped or traveled or camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them to do through Moses. Mental. I'm just going to be honest. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of these people. Mental. Are we going? Are we staying? Are we packing up? Are we setting up? Are we, how long? Are we going to do it again? No, man. Can somebody make some sense of this? Can somebody tell us what we're actually going to do? And when I read this passage, I'm reminded of 2021. I'm reminded of 2020. I kind of feel like we feel the same way. We're like, what's going on here? Can somebody make up their minds? You can fly, you can't fly. Schools are open, schools aren't open. You can have everybody at your home. You're not allowed to have everybody at your home. We've got 100 in the building, we've got 50 in the building, we've got 250 in the building, we've got naught in the building. We're having two services at Easter, we're having nobody at Easter. And you're like, this is so frustrating, the uncertain. And so I'd like to pick up on two observations out of this Numbers chapter 9. I really believe that it can help us in this season. The first observation, and we're going to look at that, is setting up some tents in a temporary, uncertain season. These guys set up their tents in obedience, not knowing how long they would be there. The second observation is the cloud by day and the fire by night. That led them. And we'll come back to the second observation in a moment. But in these very unsure, uncertain, unfamiliar times, frustrating times to say the least, this kind of suitcase season that we find ourselves in. You know the suitcase season? Like my wife and I just went away for five days down to our cottage and like I just like more order. She's up in kids' church, so she won't hear this till later, but like, I can't live out of the suitcase. Like, I want to unpack my stuff, want to put it in the cupboard, make sure everything's just in order. Like, she's just like living out the suitcase. It's like, it's just too much for me, you know? So, but regardless, whether you're living out of the suitcase or whether you're just putting it into the cupboard to put it back in the suitcase, we're in this suitcase season. And so I think that there's some tents that we need to set up in this season. And the first tent that I believe that we need to set up in this season is that we need to set up the tent of being consistent. Now, some of you love that. You're like, you're a genius. Some of you like, that's borderline lame. I'm just going to speak to those of you that think I'm a genius. But the first tent that we need to set up in this season is a tent of being consistent. You know, in a world that is so inconsistent, 
we can offer them something that is so appealing and looks like our savior and it's consistency. Do you know when you take a concentrated juice and you mix it? Like it can be awful on both sides. Like it can be extremely weak or it can be extremely strong. But when you get the consistency just right, it can be delicious. And I think we have an opportunity in this season to be delicious to the world. And Gary Player, when he won the Masters, he was interviewed straight afterwards, and they said to him, what did you do different today? And he looked back and he said, nothing. I did the same thing I've been doing every day for the last 40 years. I got up at 5 a.m., I made my bed, I brushed my teeth, because there's something about consistency that produces the results in the end. How consistent are you and I in this season when everything is inconsistent, when everything is out of whack? How consistent are we? Can I just push a little harder here? I think that in our family dynamics, there's some husbands that need to love consistently. I think there's some wives that need to love consistently. In this hard, unsure, frustrating season, there's some moms and dads they need a love consistently. And do you know what I think, church? I think that when I say that, it probably feels a little heavy right now. And you're like, Frank. Now I think that most of us, when we think about doing stuff consistently, we're just so damn tired. We're so depleted, so exhausted. And I really want to encourage you that if you're going to consistently be the dad, the husband, the mom, the friend, the work colleague, the follower of Jesus that he wants us to be, if you're going to consistently produce the results and live the life that God wants you to live, then I've got to tell you that you have to consistently spend time with Jesus. And can I just tell you this? completely vulnerable moment as a Christian, as, as a pastor. My time with God over the last 15 years hasn't always been that consistent. I know that may be a little shocking to some of you, but I, I figured I'd rather be vulnerable and honest. I love God. I love his word. I can devour it. I can spend great amounts of time in his presence. I absolutely love Jesus. But when I look at the consistency of my time with God, it's a little erratic. Sometimes it's a lot of time and sometimes it's an afterthought. Sometimes it's late at night and it's not my best. Sometimes it's like a couple of days and then forget for a couple of days. And so this year I really felt like the one thing I could give to my family, the one thing I could give to this church, the one thing I could give to God and this community is consistency. And so I made a decision to ignore every single good excuse I've made for the last 15 years. Every excuse. And I got some good ones. Emma, Roman, and Orlando. That's good enough to go, it's mental in our house. It starts at 5 a.m. in the morning and it goes right through and I'm tired and there's a lot on and I'm trying to help people and I'm trying to do this and I'll get to it tomorrow. And God just said, enough with the excuses. You want to be consistently delicious to this world? Then you've got to be consistent with your time with me. And so I made a decision this year that my alarm clock's going off at 5 a.m. And let me tell you something, it's been a brutal journey. 
right up until this very morning where my wife tapped me on the back and said, it's going off again. And I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I say this not to boast, but because honestly, this is one of the first times in my life that I can tell you, I've been doing a reading plan through the Bible, means 15 to 20 minutes, and I'm on day 86 of 87. I've missed one day this year. I really should go back and read that day, but 15, 20 minutes in the Word, up at 5 a.m., before my kids get up, before the excuses, before everything else kind of overtakes, seek the uh, kingdom of God first. I then leave and I go for a walk for 20 minutes and I leave my phone so that it's not a distraction and I spend 20 minutes in the presence of God. I've seen more of the move of God. I've heard more of the voice of God this year simply by being consistent. Consistency in the presence of God. I love Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It speaks about the character of God. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, church, if that's the character of God, it should be the character of Christians. That people can come to me and they can draw from the well that's of my life. And it's consistent. And they know what they're going to get. And it's not weak one day and too strong the next day and unsure. And I don't know if he's approachable. But there's a consistency because I've spent time with the one who is consistent. Let me tell you something. Most of our battles, most of your wars are won behind closed doors. Many of us are taking the wrong strategy when it comes to taking on the uh, attack of the enemy. Many of us only have this defensive strategy, this emergency prayer, and if we got on the offensive, on the front foot, if we just started spending time with, uh, with him on a daily basis, the things that churn you up the wrong way, the offense, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the hate, the hurt, the whatever it is, the unbelief, the fears, all of that stuff in the tent of consistency starts to just get lower and lower as the name of Jesus gets higher and higher and higher. Could you commit that in this uncertain season, you commit to consistency? You will be so overwhelmed at how much and how powerful the everyday is in your one day. The second tent that I think we all need to set up is the tent of being intent or being intentional. You know, in a time like this, it's very easy to go like, ah, you know what? I'm just gonna get into survival mode. I'm just gonna hold on. When everything gets back to normal, then I'll stop being intentional about my life. But right now, I just, I just need to survive. I just need to pull the blankets over my head. I just need to put my ostrich head in the ground. I just need to retreat. And I actually believe that God is calling us in this season as his church, as his people, as his bride, to be intentional about our futures, to be intentional about our lives, to sow seed today, which we'll reap tomorrow. If we go into a season, church, where we're not intentional about our lives, we're not sowing in tomorrow, we, we, we actually don't have a clue how bad the future looks. We think it's bad now. But if you stop sowing seed in this season, we won't bear fruit in the one to come. There's such great opportunity for us to get intentional in this season. So I believe that one of the things that God's saying to us as his people is keep building, keep believing, keep sowing, keep dreaming, keep moving in this season. 
Now, some of you are like Abraham, who got a promise, who got a word from God, who believed that God wanted to use him. I believe many of you in the room are going, yeah, I believe God wants to use me. I believe God's got promises for me. And God speaks to Abraham, and he gets a little disillusioned. And there's this beautiful imagery that happens in Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, and it says this, Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, and I want to stop right there. Then, then the Lord took Abraham outside. I assume that meant that he was in his tent, and God needed to take him out his tent. And I think what God is saying here to all of us is sometimes we get so trapped by the ceiling, by the temporary that's over us, that we need to get out of our tents. And so without being lame, in order to get intent, in order to dream again, in order to have hope, in order to believe, in order to sow into the future, we need to get out our tents so that we can get intent. Listen to what uh, God speaks to Abraham. It says, I took him outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. You know what God's saying to you and me today, like he said to Abraham? He's like, don't let there be a limit. Don't let there be a ceiling. Don't let this temporary season of tents tell or dictate who I am. Look into the sky. Look at the stars. Look how large I am. Look how magnificent I am. Look how able I am. Look how powerful I am. Remind yourself that the tent is just temporary, but I am eternal. And then hope starts to rise. Because look what goes on. He looks at the stars and it goes on to say this. That's how many descendants you'll have. And Abraham believed, our word this year is to believe God. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Some of us need to come out of our tents in order to get intent. Jin shared a great thought in the beginning of the year around Acts chapter 2 verse 26. And it says this, I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Some of you need to do that today. You go, I'm not, I'm not just in survival mode. I'm going to come out, I'm going to look at the stars, I'm going to remind myself who God is, and then I'm pitching a tent in the land of hope. My God is good. My future is good. I am going to sow into my future. I am believing God for big things. I'm not going to retreat. I am going to get on the front foot. Let's get intentional about our future. Tomorrow depends on today's sowing. Stop letting life happen. Get intent on sowing future that is full of purpose. The third tent that I want to speak about today is the tent of being persistent. Persistent. Once you have set up the tent of consistency and you set up the tent of intentionality, then I don't know how else to tell you this, but don't give up. Don't quit, don't stop, don't stop fighting, don't stop believing, don't stop dreaming, be persistent. I love the definition that comes from the scriptures, uh, sorry, that comes from the dictionary that says this, this is what persistent means, continuing firmly or obstinately, I love that word obstinately, it's like defiantly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Persistence. But can I just take an angle for a moment? I think sometimes we think persistence is like knocking and kicking down doors, and sometimes it is. But sometimes it's just about waiting patiently, knowing God said it, and being immovable, steadfast. I'm going to wait patiently on this thing. It doesn't matter what comes. doesn't matter what the circumstances say. doesn't matter what I feel. I am going to wait 
patiently for what God has to say. Listen to what the Psalms say in Psalm 27, verse 14. It says, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently. See, some of us think when we speak about the Numbers 9 passage that we read that the frustrating part was setting up tents, packing up tents, setting up tents, packing up tents. But for many of us, it's not that. It's the waiting in between. It's like, come on, God. Didn't you say? Come on, God, I I believed you. Church, there's some things in my heart that I believe God for 10 or 15 years. I'm not going to waver now. And you know, I mean, it was really cute. At year one and two, I'm like, woo, I've waited long. It's like 15 years later. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to look back on 15 years and like 30 years and go, that was cute. But I'm going to wait patiently. And I love that the two words wedged in between this wait patiently are brave and courageous. Because it actually takes great courage and great bravery to wait on God, to hold on to God, to not compromise. And I really and truly believe this. In this middle season, in this travel season, in this suitcase season, many of our calls will either be propelled or aborted on how we choose to wait. Some of us will compromise and will choose something that's a secondary or a, I don't know, it's it's just, it isn't the plan of God. We'll settle for a cheap substitute. You'll be tempted all the time, don't you worry. The devil will be like, why are you waiting, don't you want? Don't you want to just try? Just brave and courageous. God said it. I'm not moving, I'm waiting patiently. And just by the way, waiting patiently doesn't mean just waiting firmly, it actually means waiting patiently. That means your spirit is large and it's free and it's light. Find myself often waiting ferociously and furiously, kind of half angry at God because he hasn't come through for me. Wait patiently. God, your timing. I'm not moving, but your timing. Wait patiently on God. The persistency That's why my favorite passage, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, let us not get weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Persist in the call, persist in the fight, persist in prayer, don't move. Now, some of you are going, you said three tenths, but there are four tenths on stage. And before I get into the fourth and final tenth and land this thought today, I want to go back to Numbers 9. Because I said there were two observations. The first were these tents that we should set up. But the second was this incredible phenomenon of this cloud by day and this fire by night that produced this incredible obedience from the people of God. And if I can for a moment, the significance and the symbolism of the fire and the cloud is they both represented the presence of God but maybe even more so they represented the leading of the Spirit. It could only lead, and we can only obey. See, it could have gone, and they could have stayed. And I think, if I can, just for a moment, some of us have set up the wrong kind of tents in this season. And God's like, you need to pack up that tent, and you need to stop following the Spirit of God in this season. And the cloud speaks about this cover 
or this protection. And the fire speaks about this power of God. Being led by the cloud and the fire was like having this covering power of the Spirit of God. Who doesn't want that in this season? Knowing that there's this covering power of the Spirit of God everywhere you go. Being led, sorry, let me give you one other observation very quickly, and that is that this cloud and fire, because God was quite clear that there was a cloud by day and a fire by night, is that sometimes God will lead you at night. And actually, that's quite frustrating because you want to sleep. You don't want to go at night. The visibility is not really good. The clarity is not so good. Things are not clear. And yet, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you at night and you've just got to obey Him. Where are we going? I don't know. Who's leading? He is. Isn't it better? Wouldn't it be better to wait till day to go? Apparently not to God. Some of you are going like, I wish I had a cloud or a fire. I mean, I wish. I just wish I imagine. Some of you are literally thinking that right now. You're like, life would be so easy if I just had a cloud and I just had a fire. And some of you don't know how thick you are. Psalm 119, verse 105. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Some of us have undervalued the fire and the cloud which sits in our hand. Do you know what some of the Israelites were saying? I reckon, I guess I wasn't there, but I reckon they were going, a cloud, a fire, you know what would be better? Is if actually God wanted to speak to us. If God actually gave us some written instruction. If God actually told us how to live our lives. You think the cloud and the fire is the dream? They think the word of God's the dream. So the last tent, you don't set up. The last tent, God sets up. And the last tent is the tent called omnipotent. And omnipotent means all-powerful, limitless power. And God is setting up this tent for all of our lives. Every single one of us have the opportunity to encounter the omnipotent God. Every single one of us have the opportunity to have an experience with the cloud and an experience with the fire. But you know what's incredible? The fire and the cloud, the presence of God is no longer an external occurrence. Listen what the scriptures say about the Spirit of God. It's no longer external, it's internal. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1, Our bodies are like tents that we live here on earth. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Church, God sets up this but he doesn't do it externally. He does it internally. The power of God. And let me tell you something, because some of you are looking at consistency and you're going, I don't know if I can do it. Some of you are looking at intentionality and you think, yeah, I can't do it. Some of you are looking at persistency and going, I can't do it. And the truth is you can't. The truth is you can't, because if you don't have the omnipotent, 
the presence of God, the power of God. You're going to be trying to set up tents in your own strength, in your own ability. That's why Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, it's not by power. It's not by might. Some of you have been trying to do this life in your own strength. You've been trying to sort out your marriage in your own strength. Trying to figure out your business in your own strength. Trying to figure out your own Christian walk with God in your own strength. And the only way that consistency, intentionality, and persistency happens is if we invite the omnipotent, all-powerful God into our lives. And then, in every single season, no matter what is going on, with the addiction, with the fear, with the marriage, with the kids, with the temptation, the power of God is all powerful. All powerful. Your family can be different because the presence and the power finds its way into consistency, intentionality, and persistency. So effectively, God is calling us to have provisional plans and a permanent posture. Provisional plans. So God, I don't know. You may, you may be leading me differently. I'm telling you, church, it all comes back to this. If you don't set up this tent and ask God to help you with it, everything else will be in your own strength. This here produces the presence. So I don't know what God's speaking to you about today. I know that He wants to lead you. I know that it's frustrating. But I know that He's got great plans. But it requires us in this suitcase season. Say, okay, God. Okay. I'm going to have consistency, intentionality, and be persistent. Can we pray? want to pray two prayers as we land this service. Perhaps there's some people in the room or maybe online and as you're listening to the message, you're going, hey Cole, to be honest, I actually don't know Jesus. I don't know God. I don't have a personal relationship with Him. I've never felt the power of God in my life. And the Bible speaks so beautifully about the fact that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved, which basically means that our Father in heaven who sent His Son Jesus comes and takes residency in our heart. And we have an eternal relationship with our dad. And I don't want anybody leaving the room or online without praying that prayer. So if you're here today and you need to pray that prayer, Perhaps you're bold enough just to lift your hand in the air and say, Cole, that's me. I need to pray that prayer today. Please pray it with me. We're not going to embarrass you, call you out. Just simply want to know where you are. Thank you. See at least one hand in the room. Anybody else just feel prompted to lift their hand? All right, let's pray together. I'm going to ask everybody in the room just to repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for taking all my sin and all my shame and nailing it to that cross once and for all. Jesus, today, I ask you to be my Lord 
and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Just keep your eyes closed just for one more moment. I really believe God's speaking to some of you. I really believe the Holy Spirit is here. My prayer today is at the cloud, the fire. Just rest upon this place today, online and in the room. You wouldn't feel guilty or heavy or condemned, but you would ask the power, the omnipotent presence of God, His grace to fill you and to help you. I just want to pray for you if that's you and you want to just raise your hand and say, okay, God, you got my number. You see me. I need your help. Why don't you raise your hands? Just sign a surrender. You don't have to. God, thank you that you're speaking to people in the room, that you're helping them. Thank you for your power and your presence and your grace. God, thank you that you're going to be leading us. And I pray for it. For us as your church, that we'd be obedient to your promptings, obedient to your leadings.